Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And once again, welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 182. Before we get to this week's guest, before we talk some golf with arguably the best amateur on the planet right now, my thoughts, man, my thoughts are going out to all my friends in Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, anyone that is dealing with this terrible cold weather. You know, I don't know what to say. You know, living here in South Florida all my life, you know, I've dealt with hurricanes. I've dealt with power outages. You know, you have to deal with a little bit of heat because there's no air conditioning, but you just go outside. I can't even fathom being in your own home without any power and having it be near freezing or below in your own damn house. So to everyone that is listening right now that's dealing with this terrible situation, hang in there. I hope that this podcast gives you some sort of a break, takes your mind off what you're dealing with in some small way. I was actually supposed to be in Houston this past weekend covering the All-America Collegiate event, the University of Houston's host tournament. That event was ultimately canceled. Hope that it's going to get rescheduled soon. And if it is, you know I'll be down there covering it. Looking forward to getting back to Texas as soon as the weather improves. Really excited about the next few weeks here at the back of the range. Some incredible guests with tons of variety. Collegiate players. We got a senior amateur legend. Got some mid-ams. And a surprise guest that I <laughs> I am so excited about. I'm not going to jinx it. It is going to happen. It's already planned. But, you know, I can't announce the person's name until it's recorded. Them's the rules. But I'm telling you, it is going to be awesome. I cannot wait to bring this episode to you. Another interesting thing that has happened this past month is the Instagram page, the Back of the Range podcast. It's had a huge bump, and I know that's due to my coverage of the Jones Cup Invitational a couple weeks ago, but over 4,000 followers now, which, hey, I think that's pretty good for a little golf podcast. Make sure you're following there. The handle, again, is the Back of the Range podcast. That's where I post all of the photos and videos and then clips of future episodes Make sure you check that out. Make sure you're following it. And the other thing I want to remind you of is there's a lot of merch available. Trucker hats, shirts, towels. There's a lot of stuff there. So go to thebackoftherange.com. You can also find every single episode. So that is the hub of this podcast. You all know that by now, but doesn't hurt to remind you. And hey, if you want to leave a review in Apple Podcast, that is always appreciated. Take a screenshot and post that on uh, Instagram and tag me, you know I'll send you something as a way of saying thanks. My guest on this episode is the 2021 Jones Cup Invitational Champion, Ludwig Aberg, standout from Texas Tech University all the way from Eslof, Sweden. I had a great chat with him after his win at Ocean Forest. Definitely wanted to have him on the podcast as quickly as possible to recap the win a little bit, but also to get some backstory. You know, it's not uncommon to see Europeans heading over to the United States to play their collegiate golf, but I absolutely had to learn more about how Ludwig made it from Sweden to Lubbock, Texas. After his win, Ludwig vaulted all the way up to number 10 in the World Amateur Golf Rankings, and I have a feeling that he's going to be moving up even more. Now, you know that the mojo is real. If you don't know what the mojo is, it is a, well, it's a fact. Anytime someone comes on the podcast or they record their episode, even if it hasn't posted yet, they get the mojo. 
they get good luck coming their way. So Ludwig left Sea Island to go back to Texas, and then thankfully his team got out of there before they were socked in by the snow, and they headed to California to play in the Prestige Invitational in Palm Springs. Does the mojo travel all the way across the country? Well, that's a dumb question. Of course it does. Ludwig, yesterday, tied for first with Jacob Olison and Trevor Werbelow. And before you ask if they went to a playoff, no, they are sharing the individual title. And no, Ludwig wasn't thrilled about that. I spoke to him last night and he wanted a playoff. But hey, T1 is better than T2. So that's two wins back to back for the Swede. And by the way, that's two members of the Texas Tech team that are in the top 10 world amateur golf rankings. The other one being Sandy Scott. So let's get started with this episode. Thrilled to have the 2021 Jones Cup Invitational Champion here at the back of the range. Ludwig, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Last time we saw each other was, uh, I guess, gosh, you know, a week ago, 10 days, something like that in uh, in Sea Island, Georgia, braving the elements. Um, <laughs> but uh, you've been on kind of a whirlwind since picking up the win at the Jones Cup. Now you're all the way out in California. Let me get caught up. What? Uh, where are you now? And talk to me about the last week. Yeah, so um, we got to uh, Palm Springs yesterday. Um, we're playing a tournament here next week, starting uh, Monday with uh, with Texas Tech. Um, so yeah, flew out from from Lubbock yesterday. It was really really cold. We had <laughs> snow chaos. We were actually supposed to fly out um, today, but because of weather, we uh, coach decided to to move it up a day, and, and we left yesterday. So. Really, really happy about that and to be in, in sunny California. Yeah, it's uh, I was actually supposed to, you know, today we're recording this on February 13th on Saturday. I was supposed to be in Houston at the All-America Intercollegiate and that got yeah. canceled and you guys got lucky enough to make the move to California. So at least yeah. you're at least you're getting to continue to play golf. <laughs> We spoke briefly before we started recording about what your week has been like, just, um, you know, coming off of this, this really this massive win uh, on the amateur circuit at the Jones Cup. Um, I know you've, you know, won collegiate events in the past. You, you've won the Sun City. You've won uh, professional events in, in Sweden, your home country. We're going to talk about that. But um, what is the, for, for people that, you know, maybe see the, the posting of the trophy and the champion smiling, they don't really get to understand what happens next. Um, what has happened the last week? What has been like? <laughs> what's it been like? Yeah, it's been it's been fun. You know, um, obviously got back to Texas the day after, um, and you know, a lot of uh, a bunch of media. Uh, all this media attention is. I wouldn't necessarily call it. It's new to me. Uh, right. I've been there before, and obviously winning tournaments before, but. You know, it's always good fun to, to do interviews and on the radio and podcasts and, and not only here in the States, but also back home in Sweden. Right. So so it's been a lot of fun, a lot of uh, intense few days, if you will, um, not only in terms of the, the media and all that stuff, but also school. I mean, catching up on school, missed class last week, missed class this week. So I've, I've been kind of uh, been kind of busy. Now, so, do you just do you just text your professors pictures of you with the Jones Cup trophy? Just you know, just to kind of smooth smooth things out a little bit. Uh, no, I mean they don't care at all. They just they just see me missing class and and turning assignments in late. I guess okay. they don't care about anything else. 
All right, we'll we'll try and get that. Uh, we'll, we'll try and uh, get get you through and, and get you uh, graduating and, and get you actually, actually academically eligible. That's that's what's the biggest priority. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's step one. Yeah, you mentioned home, and I you know before we talk a little bit about Lubbock, Texas, which um, yeah we're gonna have a field day with with the the just moving from from Islof, Sweden to uh, to Lubbock, Texas, because I can't yeah. wait to ask you about this. But so <laughs> you, you grow up in, in Sweden. Eslof is, you know, southern tip, I guess, of, of Sweden. That's kind of near, uh, you know, Denmark. Um, you know, here in the States, when people think of Sweden, they immediately think of, of Stockholm and maybe think of skiing and winter sports. And unless you're a really serious golfer and you follow the PGA Tour, and you know names like uh, Stenson and Sornstam and Norlander and uh, you know um, Hageman and uh, you know Parnovic. Unless you know those names, you may not think of golf in Sweden in the same category. But Eslov, you have a golf course in town. Talk to me a little bit about your starting in the game. How do you get into golf in yeah. Eslov, Sweden? Yeah, um, like you mentioned, um, if you think of Sweden, you think of skiing you think of the cold the winter sports and ice hockey and all that stuff but actually where i live or where i grew up in the south it's not as big because i mean we get we still get really really cold weather in the winters but it's not like we don't get like tons of snow we don't get like right obviously for periods of times you know over usually in january february it gets pretty cold but not really you know winter wonderland so um, I grew up playing a bunch of different sports, uh, mainly soccer. Um, but my dad played golf. He's been playing golf for like 35 years. So he brought me into the game, uh, from a very young age. Um, I guess I was like three, four, five years old when I, when I got out to the golf club and, uh, hit, you know, with pl- plastic clubs and all that stuff. But, sure. you know, golf was, was never really my first love in sport it was always soccer um and it was like that pretty much ever i mean up until high school really um i i love playing soccer i still do i still watch a lot of soccer and so i actually before i wanted to become a golf player i wanted to become a soccer player so um so it was kind of a at one point when i started high school i had to kind of choose or i do i want to keep playing soccer or do i want to um play golf on a more higher level and more competitive level and um i ended up going to high school at a at a golf program about 45 minutes from from my hometown where i grew up okay. so that kind of kind of led me naturally to to choose to play golf um plus i was a little bit better at golf <laughs> than i was at soccer so that was like yeah this is more fun yeah you got it you got to kind of need to go with your strengths so that that makes sense um because yeah. i was curious when i looked at so as and by the way your your home club as they already have the picture of you uh from the jones cup on their website so i'm sure they're very proud of your accomplishments and um but i'm looking at their website and it's a little different than a and i could be 100 percent wrong but it's a little bit different than what i see here in the states it looks very much mm-hmm. where they have set up you know, there's regular competitions within the club and there's a junior program and there's lessons and it doesn't look like, and maybe this is just a cultural thing. And that's why I wanted to ask you, was it just, I show up at the golf course and find my way, or did you kind of have a clear path put in front of you of how to progress in the game? 
Yeah. Um, so Aslov, the, the course where I'm from, it's a small course. We have about just over a thousand members, a okay. thousand five hundred, I guess. So it's not the biggest of clubs, but it's pretty much like everyone knows everyone. Right. And um, so when I grew up, we had a pro and, you know, it was twice a week, like an hour and a half, twice a week that you got out there and you, you know, hit balls on the range. You went putting drills and, and just you know, kind of played golf, not, not, not necessarily practice golf, but just play golf, you know, okay. just to, just to have fun and, and kind of got into the game. So, uh, and plus we had some, some good golfers, um, a couple of years older than me, um, when I grew up. So I always had someone to look up to. Um, we have a guy, Malcolm Kukushinsky. Um, he plays on the Asian tour. He won on the Asian tour a couple of years ago. So he's still, you know, playing really really good competitively golf so he was always one of the guys that i looked up to growing up and you know oh no he went out and he shot five under oh i want to go that do that too so it was always like a a pretty natural um like competitively competitive environment but you know at first it was always like you know play golf have fun and you know just enjoy spending time out there sure um you and I are, are both guilty of playing, uh, you know, playing here in the States and playing some amateur tournaments. I've played in, you know, things down here in South Florida. You've played them all over the country, but we're, we're spoiled when we go to these amateur tournaments, just like you were at the Jones cup. You guys are all hitting basically brand new pro V ones on the range. And, uh, you know, you know, as well as I do going all around, you know, you're spoiled as practice facilities. Um, I'm guessing that maybe it wasn't quite just like that in Sweden. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, we're getting so spoiled. I mean, everything <laughs> is so, you know, well set up. It's just great people all around us. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate to be able to be in that kind of position. You're going to this golf academy and at some point you realize, okay, golf is going to take me places uh, more so than, than playing soccer or football. And, um, now I, you know, obviously this is nothing, not a new phenomenon. There, there are uh, amateurs from, from Europe and from all the, the Nordic countries coming to the United States and, and, you know, playing collegiate golf. This is nothing new, but I'm always fascinated to hear how does a kid from Sweden end up in Lubbock, Texas? (laughs) So and this and this is a question probably for Coach Sands because you know your coach Greg Sands you are not the only uh, uh, Nordic uh, region member from your golf team you have uh, you know you know Fossus and you have Bradley so you have you know kids from Norway those are a couple from Norway so how does this happen <laughs> to someone listening <laughs> like okay walk me through this yeah that's a that's a good question I guess it's it's up to Coach Sands but you know I. I, uh, when I was a junior, I, when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, um, I used to play a lot of events uh, all over Europe, you know, the British boys, the European boys championship. And, and I was fortunate enough to, to have coach Sands there and recruiting me. So he came over, um, watched me play and, and obviously saw something that he liked, uh, I guess. So, and, uh, and plus like historically there've been a lot of Swedes and, now on on later days and a lot of norwegians too yeah so when i when i came to tech we had one guy just finish finishing up school that was swedish and uh, freddie nilan um 
graduated the year before I came. And obviously him being really good, you know, Big 12 player of the year, 2018, I guess, yeah. 2017. So, you know, there have been historically a lot of good Swedish players. And uh, not only the past couple of years, but also like early 2000s when Oscar and Nils Florin was there and played really well. So I've, I've obviously heard about the place. I've heard about Texas Tech being one of the premier schools in, in, in the U.S. And, you know, when Coach Sands came over and, and contacted me, I was like, man, this is really good. So I was, I was really flattered by him um, reaching out to me. And, and I was really fortunate to, for him to offer me to, to be able to play on the team. Um, so, and plus at the time, when I got recruited, they had a Mick, uh, Mikael Björk and Driesen was yep. the assistant coach and him being Norwegian made it kind of easier for me to, to adapt and acclimate, you know, in terms of I could speak Swedish, Norwegian is pretty similar. So we can speak the same native language. Um, so he kind of helped me uh, with the process as well. It's kind of similar to what's going on at Oklahoma State, where basically it's after yeah. it's kind of where Hovland went to Oklahoma State, basically by following uh, uh, Chris Ventura. So almost like just setting up a pipeline. Now, what did you? Now, obviously, this is great. You're thinking, okay, I'm going to go to the United States and Texas, and you know, a big, huge program. But still, you don't know anything yet, probably about Lubbock, Texas, population two hundred and fifty thousand, and what is the initial reaction to saying, okay, um, I'm in Lubbock, Texas. And, and, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, Sweden, you know, I've been to Sweden and I, when I think of Sweden also, I'm thinking kind of a, a, you know, everyone, you know, a little minimalistic, uh, you know, not, not, you know, big, I mean, mean, Mm -hmm. compared to Texas, I mean, mean, in Texas, everything's bigger in Texas and everything is loud. And then coming from Sweden, I'm thinking, okay, how does that work? So, how, yeah, yeah. So, so how does that work coming to Lubbock? That's a, that's also a good question, man. You got some good questions. Um, but yeah, when I I went to a visit when I was a junior in high school, I believe that was my first visit. I went on two visits, okay. one my junior year and one of my senior year. So I I had been to to Lubbock before I I you know enrolled in classes and, and on the team, so I knew uh, what what. I expected it how it was. So it wasn't, it is a big culture change. I mean, coming from a small town in Sweden with about like 15,000 or 20,000 inhabitants to to come to to Lubbock where it's like 250,000, you know, it's a big change. And I'd say it took me some time to, to get used to that. You know, it's not, everything wasn't, you know, going smoothly. It was tough, you know, not only, a new language, a new culture, um, being able to, you know, obviously make new friends and, and all that stuff. So I knew some of the guys before, but not really well. So the first couple of months were, they were intense. They were, you know, going to campus and this big campus with 35,000 people. (laughs) And I'm like, (coughs) I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Um, so it was, it was big. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love it, and uh, I'm hopefully uh, got a little bit more used to it now. I guess. What is the? Uh, I guess what is the biggest thing you miss about Sweden when you're in Texas, and then maybe what's yeah. the biggest thing you miss about Texas when you go home to Sweden? Uh, so when I'm in Texas, I mean, I miss the Swedish food. It's, okay. 
because I mean, my stereotypical view of, of American food is just fried. Everything's, right. exactly. you know, deep fried, you know, chicken and, and all that stuff. So, you know, I miss the, the Swedish uh, cuisine in terms of like, you know, just the classical meatballs and all that stuff. But yeah. also like we have some stews, we have some some of that that you really can't. I've tried to do it over here, but it's not just not the same. Right. Um, so I miss that going back home. It's, it's the first thing I do. You know, my mom makes some really good food. So that's, that's huge when I get home. Okay. Um, but you know, when I'm back in, in Sweden, I'd say that the competitive nature, I mean, you, in the facilities that we have at tech, it's, it's incredible compared to what we have in Sweden. You can't really, you know, stress the fact enough that the, the facilities we have at tech is, it is, you know, the, one of the best places if you want to become good at golf. Sure. And so the resources we have in terms of, you know, staff at tech, you know, helping us basically 24-7. It's just, you know, a call away. We don't really have that in Sweden um, at my home club. But, yeah, it's a lot of pros and cons with being in Sweden, a lot of pros and cons being in Texas. Sure, sure. Well, I, you know this this team you're on also you're you're surrounded by such incredible players i mean not just yourself yeah. and everyone else uh, i mean we're just looking at I mean sandy scott he's going to be he's going to be a two-time uh walker cupper he's you know top 10 in the world as you are now um and then you know obviously you know kyle hogan picks up a win at merido he's going to play in the houston open and then you have now an rsm classic start waiting for you on the pga tour thanks to your jones cup win so you're surrounded by greatness at all times um, before I ask you a little bit about just recapping the Jones cup, um, there's, there's something I want to ask you about, um, these two wins that you picked up, uh, last year, the Nordic golf league. So you go back home since COVID shuts everything down la- last year, you pretty much go mm-hmm. home just to make sure I understand the timetable, right? You know, pretty much everything shuts down around mid March. Do you just go home yeah, then? Correct. Just, so you just go home then and and just basically handle classwork from there is that pretty much what you did yeah correct um so we were actually supposed to play a tournament in phoenix okay um in arizona phoenix so um so we play the practice round and so we teed off on the first hole in the practice round and you know we've heard a lot of guys saying that oh some teams might pull out and some teams might go home but we're like, nah, that's not going to happen. We're going to keep playing. Right. And when we're on the second green of the practice round, coach comes up to us and say, hey, the tournament is canceled. So um, uh, so we kept playing, you know, had just a little competitive, you know, within the team. And uh, and two days later, I'm on a flight back home to Sweden. And <laughs> so I'm like, geez, that happened really, really quickly. Right. So I wasn't really prepared of it. Um, cause you know, we flew back to Texas the day after and, uh, or no, actually the same night we flew back to Texas and the day after I, you know, I just packed all my stuff and, and booked a flight back home to Sweden. So everything happened really quickly. And once I got back to Sweden, it wasn't, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it business as usual, but it was COVID hasn't, there wasn't a lot of cases back home in Sweden, not a lot of you know, death back home in Sweden either. So right. we were very fortunate to to have everything kind of open, like semi-opened. So, you know, you're still not, you know, mandatory masks. It's still not like that back home, yeah. even though there's a, more cases right now. But so I could live my life like semi-normally, 
so to speak. We didn't have any lockdowns or anything like that. So, you know, we could play and I could hang out with my friends because no one really knew anyone that was COVID positive. So it was um, different from from how it is here, as I kind of understood later. But um, yeah, I went home. you know, played, obviously in March, the weather is not really good in Sweden. So we didn't play as much. Uh, it was really cold. So, but then, you know, back in, um, in, in April and May, when, when the weather starts to become really good, you know, we could play pretty much all day, all day, every day. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I handled school online, everything just completely switched from in class to online and, uh, which was, which was tough for me, but, um, you know, with some, some troubles with being disciplined in terms of schoolwork, but yeah. you know, I ended up pretty well and, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it was weird. It was really weird. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, I've a friend in Sweden, they were telling me the same thing, how it's just, it's, you know, they hear, you hear news about what's going on in the States and you're like, wow, this is completely different of how Sweden yeah. is handling it. So, but you know, you, you're over there and you're like, well, hell, I got to keep my game sharp. And, and there's some, there's some tournaments I can play. And so you play the Nordic golf yeah. league as an amateur. Um, so I have to ask you, you, you win the, um, and I'm going to completely screw up the pronunciation, but you're going to, you're, <laughs> you're going to love this anyway. Cause I'm just a silly American. <laughs> the, uh, Katrin home open. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and bars back open. Yep. Yep. Correct. Awesome. Um, that was good. You thank you. So you win both of those (laughs) back to back weeks and you beat the same guy. You beat Mikhail Lindbergh. Do you talk to him and does he not like you? Like, do you like, have you decided you should, you should send him like a Texas tech shirt or something just as a (laughs) Well, um, so actually prior to those tournaments, um, we had the Swedish national team had a, had a few like get togethers so uh-huh. like semi tournaments like 36 old tournaments from like geographically so the southern players kind of got together and played um Barsebeck as well as a few other courses so uh and we were very fortunate to to have a bunch of european tour players coming and playing those events so we got to play some some good courses with with great competitive um players and uh so that really helped me to say oh if i can beat those guys i can beat pretty much right um you know when the tournament starts back up so that gave me some confidence going into those tournaments and uh yeah i i don't know like Mikel, he's a great golfer really really good golfer uh he got his card to the challenge tour this year he's playing challenge tour good. so and he's gonna do really well up there so and for some reason he ended up being <laughs> you know he lost in the play. I won in a playoff in the first tournament. And right. then we played in the final group, the second tournament as well. And I ended up winning by five or yeah, he's, four or five. He's ready for you to go back to Texas. He's like, All <laughs> yeah, right. so I, I guess he wanted me out of the way at that point, but you know, he, and en- he ended up playing some fantastic golf that year and, and won multiple times after that. So, you know, he's a, he's a great golfer and a great guy. That's awesome. Well, um, I just thought that was interesting how you pick up these two wins <laughs> on a pro circuit and you're beating the same guy. I'm like, okay, that guy is not probably not the first one from home that's calling you about your Jones Cup win, but uh, but, but that's okay. Um, so, yeah. so you get so let's let's talk a little bit about the Jones Cup before I let you go and get uh, prepared for the prestige out there in Palm Springs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you get into this tournament. You know, um, I think it's pretty well known now that it was. Um, 
you know, the weather was nearly perfect this first day. And you get off to a start where you're four over after 10 and you have to basically, you know, right the ship quickly. You probably coming in thinking, oh my gosh, what an achievement. I was able to kind of keep myself somewhat relevant uh, at even par. Mm -hmm. And you turn your card in, you look up and Alex Fitzpatrick shoots 64. So um, we can laugh about it now because you have the trophy, but you just get through a, a, a tough first day and you're eight back. How do you kind of, yeah. uh, how do you kind of, you know, incorporate or, or even comprehend that at the time? Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, I was, I was four over through 10, I think. Yeah. Four through 11. And, you know, I didn't play good. I did not hit good shots, but, you know, um, I made a, a really bad double bogey on 10, got me to, to four over. So, and, uh, but at the same time, I, I really trusted my own work. I trusted my swing. I trusted my abilities to, um, cause I had been playing pretty well coming up to the tournament. So I knew that if I just, you know, keep doing the same things as I'm doing, um, I'm going to get opportunities. I'm going to get birdie chances. And, you know, all of a sudden I make birdie, uh, 12, 13, um, I made birdie 16, 17. So that got me back to even par and, and kind of a mental uh, thing that I thought about was just, you know, just get me back to even par. If I can get back to even par, I'm going to, I'm going to solve the rest. You know, that's going to take care of itself. So I was trying to, and I did that throughout the tournament as well. I played for a number in my head that all right, if I can get to par, if I can get to par, um, you know, I can, I'm still in the tournament, you know, we got two more days. Obviously I knew the forecast was going to be pretty tough for, for the next day on Saturday. So I knew that if I can get to par, you know, I'm, I'm still in the tournament. So I managed to, to scramble on my, uh, you know, four under the last seven holes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I come in and I see that Alex shot eight under. I'm like, geez, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I realized that I was going to be like five, four back, but not eight back. Right. God. And, uh, so, so that completely changed pretty much everything. Cause also there was a guy shooting four under, or seven under, yeah. Yeah, some Ralston. guys shooting five under. So there was some low scores out there. And, and, uh, I think, uh, fortunately for me that the wind switched and, and the courses was being played you know, just completely opposite the next day. So that was really, I think, a benefit for me in terms of making this golf course really tough. Cause you know, if you're going to have another day of, of good weather and from the, and the South wind, I wasn't going to be close to, to being in, you know, one shot back heading into the final round, unless I shot like 15 under, which I'm probably not going to do. Right. Right. So, so yeah. Well, and the other thing I, the thing I want to talk about, you know, I, tr- I try and make sure we, that listeners can take away something from each and every episode. And a lot of times uh, I've asked the question of, okay, how do you get that mindset to go low? So that would be a question yeah. I would ask Alex, like, hey, how do you get your, and I think I did ask him after the round, I said, how do you get your mind wrapped around, hey, let's, let's take this as low as I can and have no fear of, of getting into those mid and mm-hmm. low 60s. 
But the one thing I want to ask you is how do you develop the proper mindset to play good golf in bad weather? Because you and Kelly Chin shot 70, and those were the, I believe, the only mm -hmm. two rounds under par. There were the two lowest rounds of the day on Saturday. But this weather, as you and everyone else that was out there knows, it was rain, it was wind, it was cold. It was it was very, yeah. very challenging. So how do you develop a proper mindset to not just survive it, but to thrive in really bad weather? Yeah, uh, I think that goes back to, to where I grew up. You know, I okay. grew up in Sweden where, you know, we don't get good weather all the time. We can get, even though it's the middle of the summer, we can get, you know, really, really cold, blowing, you know, 30s and, and raining coming sideways. So I knew that, you know, I've been there before. I've been playing good golf in bad weather before. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, it's just about staying dry. I mean, what I did was I just, you know, relied on my routine. Um, cause I knew that, you know, I've been playing good golf and in great weather. And so why wouldn't I be able to play golf in bad weather? I mean, um, obviously the course was, I mean, I was talking to a couple of guys and I mean, the par was around 77. I think the average score was around 77 which yeah, is five over. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know, it was tough. It was really tough, but I think the mindset of just, you know, relying on your routine really helped me at least. And, you know, just taking it, it might sound a little cliche, but just taking it shot by shot. I mean, you can't really focus on what's going to happen on the next hole or on the next, on the two next holes. I mean, it's all about what you're going to do with your next shot. And, um, and I think, uh, one thing that I did really well was, you know, you can't play aggressively, um, on all holes. I mean, you got to just make sure that you're on the correct side, make sure that you have the easiest chip coming back. Cause if you're not having the easiest chip coming back, I mean, you're not going to make up and downs, Right. you're not going to make pars. Um, cause everyone, obviously no one's going to miss or no one's going to hit every green. So you're going to make sure that your scrambling is good. Um, and so that comes back to, to your preparations and, you know, to what you did in, uh, before the rounds even started. Um, and another thing I did pretty well was I visualized success. Um, I think that's a really, that's a culture we have at Texas Tech that Coach Sands really incorporated that, you know, you visualize you doing good things and you do that before the round, you do that during the round and you do that after the round. It's something that, you know, really helped me because the day before I knew the weather was going to be bad, but I also visualized myself playing good golf and I visualized myself, um, you know, hitting good shots. So I think that really helped me. Obviously it did. It, it really, you basically erased the entire death that, uh, of strokes that you had to the leaders yeah. and you came in basically one shot back heading into this final round and I had the fortune of following the, the final two groups and you know, I'm just looking at the six, the six guys that were playing in, in here. So you're in the, you're in the final group along with uh, Spencer Ralston, who I think has played in five or six Jones cups, you know, mm -hmm. he's a senior at Georgia. Obviously we mentioned Alex Fitzpatrick from wake who shot that 64. And then the group right behind you, or I'm sorry, the group right in front of you, all you have is Cole hammer, Davis Thompson and David Ford. And yeah. I'm just another thing I wanted to make sure listeners understood. How do you go into a round where 
obviously you're a very well accomplished amateur both in Texas and in Europe but you do probably understand and realize that some of these guys have names that are a little bit more recognizable than yours. Mm-hmm. Is that, Absolutely. and you probably have faced that in other tournaments and other experiences in your college career or in your amateur career. How do you get past the fact that, Hey, uh, you know, yeah, they maybe have a bigger name, but that doesn't matter. Did, did you think about that at all going into the final round or had you had, ex- um, no, necessarily not. Okay. Um, Cause you know, I really felt like I trusted my own game. Um, it was more of a sense of a confidence, not really. I mean, it's not cocky, not no. at all cocky. It's just confidence, basically, that I feel like you know I can I can compete and I can beat all those guys. And no matter if you know Cole is playing really well or Davis is playing really well, I feel like I can play really well too. So um, it was it was tough. To, to kind of flip the mindset from going from Saturday when it was really tough to going out on Sunday when all of a sudden, you know, you got this good weather and the wind. It was still off the north, which made the course tougher, but it was still, you know, good weather. Um, and all of a sudden you got to, you know, go out there and win a golf tournament. So um, I did a good job of, you know, just kind of resetting my mindset. And it, it came back to, to what I did the night before and you know, when I visualized myself playing good golf, even on Sunday, um, and what I did in my preparations and, you know, what I did, um, during the, during the round as well. So it was tough, but I am very, very proud of how I handled it. Well, it's a, it's a great win. Um, obviously it moves you up into the top 10, uh, in the world amateur golf rankings, I can't imagine what it's going to do for you confidence-wise, especially getting mm-hmm. into an RSM classic. So you're going to have a PGA Tour start back uh, back at Sea Island, where I'm sure you're going to f- fall back on some pretty nice <laughs> memories there. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, I- I'm going to let you go, but um, before I do this, one final question, and I really hope you got something good for me. As some people okay. that are following along, they notice that there is a little bit of a prank war between uh, your 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 countryman, Mr. Stenson and Mr. Ian Poulter. And uh, Henrik Stenson is known as quite the the prankster on tour, really dry, awesome sense of humor. Please tell me you have some sort of a prank you have pulled on one of your teammates at Texas Tech. Um, I have to disappoint you. I don't. Oh, damn it. I'm I'm sorry, Ben. Um, Like you mentioned, Stenson being a really, a really fun guy and, I see myself as a pretty fun guy too, right. but not really in terms of like pranks. Okay. Um, but uh, so I, I'm sorry, I have to disappoint okay, you on but, that one. Okay. Well, that, no, you haven't disappointed me yet. We're, we're going to work around this. <laughs> not we're, yet. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. So it, it hasn't happened yet. But who is going to be the easiest target for you in the future when you do pull a prank on someone? Who on your team would you just kind of say, "Oh yeah, I I need to I, I need to get." Yeah, I, we have a we have a Norwegian guy on our team, Bord Bord Skogen. Okay, he is he is the biggest victim on the team. <laughs> okay, in terms of, um, you know, he's a great guy, a really funny guy. I really like him. Um, but you know, it's he he can easily fall under that. Perfect. Okay. Oh, and he's a freshman too. So he's a freshman, and you know, we speak the same language basically. So. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of fun. Well, um, this was great. I, I'm glad we we're able to get some time. I know you got to get started and get concentrated on that tournament out there with prestige, but 
definitely wanted to chat about this uh, this great victory and and not just talk about the Jones Cup, but talk a little bit about uh, you know what led up to this great victory. So uh, I appreciate the time. We'll do it again soon, and uh, I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. Special thanks to Ludwig Aberg, Texas Tech University, for joining me here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Everything you ever wanted to know about this podcast can be found at thebackoftherange.com. Stay safe, stay warm, and we'll see you next time here at the back of the range.